Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hi everyone, it's me, Dreadful Dan G, and welcome to Oddcast, with also my friend, Sam. Hello, it's me. What you been up to, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been up to a fair bit, actually. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Um, I might just go th- go through it. Um, Please quickly. do. Um, have you watched a series called Succession? Um, no, I, no, I've heard of it. Maybe you mentioned it. Maybe. It's on Sky over here, but it's HBO in America. And it's basically like a kind of a thing on the Murdochs and it's by this guy, Jesse Armstrong. He did a bit of peep show. Oh yeah. Here. Um, and it is really good. And yeah, I just kind of finished it all within a few days. Um, yeah. And that's one of the, like the kind of best things I've seen on TV. Cause it's basically a whole cast of horrible people. It really is. Um, yeah. Like this big media um, conglomerate that's led by Brian Cox, like Rupert Murdoch style. And it's it with his children. Um, who are all like vying for power and they're just like nasty pieces of work and they're just like really super fucking rich. Um, and it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, so I recommend seeing that if you can. So is it a satire? Is it funny? It's it's um, it's a kind of, it's a drama, but it is it has loads of funny bits. So there's, there, weirdly, because it's Jesse Armstrong, it's like an element of Britishness to it. So it's kind of like the comedy is a bit, can range from like quite silly to quite dark um, in like a matter of moments. Um, it's right yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Um, I saw Mulan, the new Mulan as well, um, which I think I might have said, I can't remember, but that was okay. Disney Plus subscribers can get it for an extra 30 bucks. Not worth that, I would say. What is it, like a live um, action version? Yeah, exactly that. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't really recommend that. I saw a shitty horror movie called Crawl, which is about some alligators at the bottom <laughs> of someone's house during um, like a, a hurricane flood and all this. Um, that that was sounds great. exactly <laughs> what it says on the tin. Yeah, it was 90 minutes of ridiculousness that I actually didn't really have a problem with. Um, is that a recent uh, thing? It didn't, didn't change my life. Yeah, I think it came out last year or the year before. Um, I saw The Invisible Man with, um, oh, what's her name? Elizabeth Moss. Um, and that was really good. Um, it was, it's basically, he's a like a domestic abuser. Yeah. Um, and he's like killed himself or something. But then she's like, he's not killed himself. He's here. He's got an invisible suit. And everyone's like, yeah, right, whatever. Um, and all that's pretty cool. Uh, was that another recent kind of movie? yeah that was pretty recent i think that was the last year year before hmm. i saw a shitty netflix film um called i see you which has do you remember helen hunt she won an oscar oh uh, yeah oh yeah she's got a give it was. so oh, she's yeah. and she looks like a fucking orc she looks awful <laughs> she's had so much surgery she's old right she's like 60 or something yeah um and she's had so much surgery and you can see me, so people at home won't be able to see this, but her skin is like, she's so thin, it's like a skull. But it's like, you know when you see people and it's like, but she's got like no lips. Her lips are like disappeared. Wow. And her skin is stretched right back. And it's like this scary, horrible face. I'm not joking, honestly, watch a trailer. I see you, watch the trailer and tell me that that's not scary. She is the scariest thing about that film. Jesus. far. Worth watching just for the freak show. Just for her. But that's only the first half she's in it. And that's part of the problem with the film. I won't get into it. But um, <laughs> not not worth seeing. It's only worth seeing for to watch Helen Hunt for five minutes. Then you're fine. Um, and then I saw a shitty, I think it's Korean um, zombie movie called Hashtag Alive. Um, uh. It's basically about a guy who's a streamer, funny enough, who's um, there's like a, basically a zombie apocalypse going on. And he just is trying to survive. He's just locked in his apartment. By himself and then it's him just trying to <clears throat> yeah survive and escape and it is so boring it was i was like okay i can get into like this kind of a good like zombie apocalyptic thing you know there's been a few but i was like a korean one that'll be like maybe it's like train to busan which i really liked and no it's nothing like that it was um there was nothing new about it either it's pretty dreadful uh, yeah. yeah and and a couple other things i'll, I'll make it quick um I've been watching, I watched a couple of episodes of The Boys on Prime, which is pretty good. What's that? Better than I thought it would be. It's basically like Watchmen in the sense of, it's like super, if superheroes were real, but okay. like they're all dickheads. And it's like kind of adding some like reality to it. So um, like if someone can move at the speed of light or whatever, they could just like run through and just completely disintegrate someone <laughs> and all this stuff. But they're all just like dicks and pervs and all this stuff. Um, any good yeah and i really liked it um yeah. but i've only just started it it's on the second season now but i've not got that far and then something which has been a real guilty pleasure dan has been this um, netflix show called selling sunset okay which is like which is like the hills it's 
basically these bunch of like really rich Barbie doll women in LA trying to sell rich people homes that are like millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Why are you watching like the that? drama they have with each other? Because it's like some shit TV I can have in the background and not really pay attention to and not feel guilty about. Not feel, as in not feel guilty that I'm not paying attention to it. Um, in terms of sheer man what, hours, is that what you've spent the most time watching? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, just it's so background. But um, yeah, but that's that's what I've been watching um, and doing. Um, yeah, Lovely. I've been out in nature, so I haven't been um, watching nearly as much as you. Um, naturist <laughs> naturalist naturalist that's the one yeah the uh, preferred form of enjoying nature um what have i been doing i watched a film uh called doa it's a bit of an old uh classic that's, um korean isn't it no it's from right. it's american film from 1949 oh right um, yes yeah, it's a great conceit. The it kind of opens with this guy saying, uh, he, he turns up at police stations, like, I need to speak to the sergeant. So like, I want to report a, uh, a murder happened in San Francisco last night. He's like, who was it? Me. So <laughs> the idea is that this guy's been poisoned and he's only got like two days to live. Um, and he spends the whole film trying to unravel why, who, who has poisoned him and why and... Um, it's a pretty good little thriller. Pretty good. That sounds, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm surprised. I, I was watching it thinking like, this is this would be fantastic material for a remake. And it's got all these really wild, crazy, colourful characters in it. It's really good fun. Mm. I haven't seen a good, decent, old black and white movie for ages, if you know what I mean. Um, I love that when you find like a, yeah, like a classic. Yeah. That, and you're just like, yeah. I don't really know this one, but I'll give it a try. And you're like, that was really good. Something just like warm and satisfying about it. It, was, it did get quite convoluted at one point, And I thought, I'm not sure I'm quite following what's what's happened here. There's a big yeah. uh, complex plot around a um, a deal, a drug deal. Uh, and, and in terms of listening, I've been listening to that uh, chap that I mentioned before, Harry Cloud. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually did a video uh, on my YouTube channel, Dreadful Discs, um, talking about a couple of his albums. Um, yeah. Weird, out there, experimental noise rock, really, um, for people who like that kind of thing, you've got an open mind, fancy hearing that nice. kind of thing. Um, and if that is your thing, experimental noise rock, then this episode is hopefully also going to be your thing. <laughs> um, we're talking about... Yeah, what are we talking about? talking about one of my favorite bands of all time scratch acid um 1980s texan uh post-punk noise rock band Um, cool should we take a quick listen to it yeah why not
Scratch Acid. Um, Shall I do a little intro, some facts about the band? Um, yeah, sure. I should um, say, um, I know you already know this already, but I know next to nothing about this band. Like, I know the name, I know the general sound they do. I don't even think I've actually listened um, or heard any of their music before I did it for this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Really? Um, nothing? I don't think so. Like, if I have, I don't remember it. So that's it. I know next to nothing. Cool. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I'll give you some background and then uh, it's going to be really interesting to get your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited because I just recently got hold of these records. So this band, they only did really three records and um, they've all been compiled onto one CD. So I got that CD about 20 years ago. Um, but getting the original records has been quite high on my list of priorities as a record collector for quite some time. And they always go like really expensive. Um, but I managed to get the first and third records off a guy on eBay. And these they normally go for like 50, 60 quid each. And mm-hmm. um, he's just some old, well, he said, oh, I'm an old dude. And I just want them to go to someone who's going to appreciate them because he'd bought them from new and he sold them right. to me for like five quid. So cool. last week I've had those and I've been playing them, the original vinyl copies, which really, really put me in the mood. Um, mm. So yeah, Scratch Acid, they were formed in the summer of 1982 uh, in Austin, Texas. Um, at that time, there was quite a cool like um, music scene. Like Some of the big bands of the time were... The Dicks, um, right, yep. and a band called Big Boys. Have you heard of them? No, I think, I think so. Again, they're like they're I've over they're of the time. Um, right. Big Boys, Big Boys are pretty good, and they had a longer. I think they had like a longer career. Uh, I got got hold of some of their stuff. It's pretty good. It's just kind of like a bit more, a bit more kind of like standard punk. Okay. Um, but they were very influential at the time. So both those bands, I think, influenced uh, Scratch Acid. Um, they were originally formed, there were, were five members. Steve Anderson, who was the singer. David Yao was the bassist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Bradford and David Sims were guitarists. And uh, Ray Washam was the drummer. Um right. And in, in December 1982, they record a demo and it's got Steve Anderson singing. Um, but at some point between then and 1984, there's not that much information out there online, by the way. Uh, so I'm filling in some gaps. Um, but at some point, Steve Anderson gets the heave ho, right. the singer, and David Yao moves from bass and becomes the vocalist. Um, and uh, David Sims, one of the guitarists, becomes the bassist. I find that really interesting because to me, David Yao is one of the, yeah, as a vocalist, is like so important. And also yeah. David Sims as the bassist is so important, but especially because both of those Davids went on to then be the singer and the bassist in the Jesus Lizard. So okay. the fact that they started off here doing <laughs> completely different things. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's cool though when it's you, you know, bands mix. I always think about like I think we spoke about it when we did our horrors episode, and um, 
I can't remember one of the other members picked up the bass. Um, and then suddenly he was bassist. <laughs> he did the bass. So like he, they started jamming out like a couple of songs that made it onto the record. Yeah. Then, yeah. He just became the bassist after that and he just hadn't played it before. It happens, right? When you've got a bunch of people together and they're just starting out in bands and trying out what they're good at. Um, mm. But it's cool that there is a record of it because there's this demo that exists. So you can hear what they sounded like with this other guy singing. Okay. Uh, not good. <laughs> right. Would that have been one of the ones I'd listened to already? No. This? no. Um, oh, Possibly, actually. One of the songs, we'll, we'll come to it later. Yeah, one of them okay. appears. Um, another big influence, I think, on the band then, and you know, you hear it more with David Yao singing, is this birthday party influence. Right. Um, you a fan of you know, birthday party? I don't know birthday party. It's um, Nick Cave's band before Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know um, that. And yeah, like you can hear the influence of his his kind of like vocal style, which was all that, you know, bloody and like screaming and yelping and like sounding quite pained. Um, yeah. But I think David Yao brings his own sort of like brand of demented anguish to everything. Yeah, I bet. Um, so yeah, then the band basically over this period, um, so they formed 82, Really, between I think eighty three was when they first started playing, mm-hmm. um, and so they existed eighty three to eighty seven, uh, and then they were done. Um, but in that time, they, like I said, they released uh, well two EPs and one full length album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think let's just go through those records. You know, have a chat about yeah. the music and uh, hear what you thought about them. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it. So the first one mm-hmm. was the self-titled Scratch Acid from 1984. And let's have a little bit of Cannibal. Cannibal. Don't break my arm, Sam. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, don't break don't break my heart by not liking this uh, EP, Sam. <laughs> Cannibal. Um, um what did you think? Okay, well firstly, um this was as I was saying, my introduction basically to this band was was this first song. Um and the first thing I thought is I was like, this is this has Dan written all over it <laughs> in many ways. Like one, I was like, oh, this is definitely, this is the kind of stuff that is his bread and butter for yeah. one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's very, um, uh, as probably people would have listened to, it's very um, strange. It's also hectic, a bit noisy. As you said, like the vocals are completely off kilter and manic. Um, like the guitars are very like uh, scratchy and high in the EQ. Yeah. Um, and 
I, um, to be, to be honest, it, and I, I know we'll probably go into this a bit more later on down the line, but it reminded me a lot of, um, an early Nirvana incesticide, uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I can hear a lot of that in there. I don't know. And I'm sure you'll tell me if, um, Kurt thought scratch acid were any kind of influence or anything like that. Um, do you know at all? Well, there's that famous picture of him, I think it's about 1988, sitting out in a field and he's got a scratch acid t-shirt on. Um, oh, really? And this EP, this first one, is in his much lauded uh, list of the 50 best albums. Right. You know, I think people put a little bit too much stock in that list, don't they? Because at the end of the day, it's just one thing that he scribbled down once in his notebook and yeah. your tastes change all the time. But... Um, you know, it, it it was on there. He he liked the band, and he obviously had those records. Um, I I can hear a little bit of it definitely in Incesticide, that really yeah. earliest stuff. Songs like Mexican Seafood, Beeswax, yeah. yeah, all the most fucked up stuff, basically. Yeah, towards the end of the album, I always think of that stuff as being, um, yeah, definitely. I can see a lot there. Um, and I I to be honest, I've I didn't mind it. Put it that way. And I quite liked the, the use of like the reverse drum sound and the drumming. Um, I think what I liked about it was that it felt, it felt different for one thing. Also, it sounded like it was parts that shouldn't come together, kind of being meshed together, which is fine. And I enjoyed like that kind of variety. Um, I liked the drumming. I think by the time I got to the end of this album, basically this album started off like, oh, this is great. By the time I got to the end of this, of listening to all of this stuff, yeah, um, I was like, okay, it kind of got a bit too, too much for me basically at the end. So this was like quite a strong start. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of like, there's a, it, it didn't feel as fresh as I thought it might do going through listening to it. There's some tracks, which um, I know we're going to, which kind of, I thought were better basically put it this way um but uh yeah but i like it i think it kind of having the vocals doing that kind of thing makes it sound a bit messier than it actually is as a constructed song if that makes sense as a composed piece totally um, and you know that's what people say about the jesus lizard mm. you know is that the, the the three guys that are playing were so tight and like machine-like and workman-like and then you've just got this like feral kind of energy of david yao singing all over the place um you know his 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 cadence and the singing doesn't match the rhythms of the music or you know necessarily um and that's definitely the case here with scratch acid as well he kind of brings that chaos and and actually you know the, the three guys that are playing are in pretty tight unison. It's 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 pretty um, machine like kind of you know like mm-hmm. that song Cannibal. You know that was obviously the first song I heard by them as well. And I, I was coming right. to this band as a fan of the Jesus Lizard, mm-hmm. and I was just like blown away by that like that lurch of the bass in total sync with that uh, with the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the horror of David Yao screaming and yeah. But it sounds to me it's so much more the Jesus Lizard because that's built around the guitar of Dwayne Dennison, who's got this kind of classical jazzy style. Right. They've got a quite a different sound. Scratch Acid sounds more 
depraved in some way. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sounds a bit more, and again, some of this is, is the production. It sounds kind of like dank. And yeah. I think it's like, it all sounds like it's happening in a, like a mildewy kind of basement. There's something yeah. horrible and unpleasant about it all. Yeah, it feels like dirty. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's own, and it's yeah, but not just like dirty, as in like grubby. Yeah, there's like a, a wetness to it. Um, yeah, which is weird when you think about it. But I, I know exactly what you mean. So let's come back to just talking about this first release. Um, so that's the first. So Sam listened to the greatest gift, which is the compilation yeah. from 1991 of uh, all their released catalogue. Um, but just coming back to the, say the first eight songs on that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was recorded, by the way, July 1984 in Austin, Texas, um, by a guy called Kerry Crafton. I don't know who he is, but I only mention it because they go back to working with him on the last release um, and the album in 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 the middle. Um, they tried something else, worked with a different uh, producer. So it's kind of interesting, I think, to compare the the first ep and the final ep in that regard um mm. but yeah i mean like overall like this is my favorite of their uh records um i think it's got the best songs and it's got the most diversity across those eight mm-hmm. tracks and like when i was just like reviewing this again listening and i'm surprised like how much kind of like there's some surf guitar in there like some cramps psychobilly influence that I hadn't maybe picked mm. up on when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some kind of like more straight up kind of like punk numbers. Um, but then you've got like strings as well. Um, and some quite like, quite like touching moments um, amidst, <laughs> amidst all the kind of like horror. Um, mm. Were there any songs that really stood out for you that you liked? On those first eight, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, like greatest gift. I thought that's in the actual track. Um, I quite liked. It sounded a bit like early horrors, actually, um, in a sense of like that kind of surfer rock, yeah, um, sensibility. Um, I thought it was quite interesting, and yeah, like uh, monsters. Um, I quite liked as well. It's got. So monsters to me, like some of the guitar pits they do, sounds a bit like what I would do, especially in early Pistol Gang stuff. And I think we we kind of did it when we when we were doing cells. Um, some of the guitar bits and that I was like, there's something that I would probably. And it's, it sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet. I don't I don't mean it to, but um, I'm not necessarily saying it's great. I'm just saying <laughs> it's kind of that similar kind of style. Sometimes I found I found myself doing um, like a bit messy. Uh-huh. A bit manic sometimes. Um, and also tonally, it sounded like my early pistol going stuff. But um, yeah, and I've also put here that his vocals sound particularly like Pixies-esque. Um, I'd about to say Jack Black then. Frank Black. <laughs> um, or when he style. gets a scream going. Yeah, um, and I can hear a bit of that. I, I, I know it's not, um, they would have been before Pixies, I suppose. But um, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. I was like, yeah, it sounds a bit quite bad. Um, yeah, and then the rest of them, yeah, it's okay. Like El Esperecto, or whatever it's called. 
El Espectro. I was like, oh, it sounds like um, that Mexican kind of guitar sound reminded me of like Offspring, Ixnay on the Hombre. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that kind of Mexican guitar. I always find that funny. Have you seen, by the way, going off on a tangent, I got um, thrown up on uh, my Instagram thing, A World of Tanks, uh, which is a game um, okay. advert. And it had loads of random people. It had like um, the old goalkeeper from Spain or whatever in the last World Cup or whatever the fuck. Right. Um, and it had some metal band and it had uh, Dolph Lundgren and it had Offspring. And Offspring ha- apparently have a relationship with World of Tanks. <laughs> they're like in the game or something like that and they were basically saying like thank you to all the tankers whatever they call them fucking stupid <laughs> but, um dexter have you seen dexter recently no he's got so fat i mean he's old now obviously but i was like yeah he is big <laughs> he's a really? big guy now yeah it's worth to check that but, out um yeah, it's quite fair it's probably why this came to me as well because i had offspring in my head just because just from that um, did they, and did yeah, they contact him just to say we need a, we need a human tank we need a unit <laughs> unit but they both they all look awful but um, yeah you know because I always I always think of Dexter's old offspring with his like dreads or whatever a skinny California guy and now he's just yeah. like some he looks like he's about to like go I don't know like mug someone or he's about to tie a you know Saint George's flag around his neck and start throwing <laughs> beers at people um, <laughs> a lager out. Like, a proper lager oh, Um But yeah, I've put like Owner's Lament and Lay Screaming. I found quite boring. Um, uh, sorry. That's, that's the wrong you? answer. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're my favorite. Well, no, Cannibal, Owner's Lament and Lay Screaming are probably my three favorite songs here. Maybe okay. my three favorites if they're whole oeuvre. Um, Owner's okay. Lament. Not like that sense. Yeah. So Owners and the one that's got all the strings on. I think, I just find it, it's quite haunting. Uh, and what's great here, another thing about Scratch Acid that you don't get with the Jesus Lizard. The Jesus Lizard, the drummer, Mac, is quite like, it's quite like a motor, his, his style of drumming. It's kind of mm. like, wind it up, wind it, wind it up, release, release. So it's quite bombastic. Um, Ray Washam, though, um, who actually, at some point, just before they recorded this, got poached by Big Boys right. and did some work with them. And so he returned and he was kind of like a bit more of like, a okay, he's a, he's a guy actually, you know, right. he's got some respect and kudos. Um, but he, his style, I think, is a little bit more diverse. And like that is one of the songs where I think um, he really he really shows what he can do. It's quite, there's lots of like rolls and fills. Um, and you've just got this like really sad sound of the string arrangement, a bit of piano. Um, David Yao, he's not so like blood curdly on this one. He's kind of just sounds mm. like anguished. Um, to me, yeah, that's like one that, that's a, a, a pervasive song, I think. Mm. So. I'd recommend anyone to go back and uh, give that a listen. Give yeah. it, a, give it another fair. go. <laughs> give it another go. Give it a chance. Um, yeah, fair enough. I mean, it was. Um, this is certainly all of these songs. I think you have to be um, paying attention to. If that makes sense. This is some background yeah. music. 
Yeah, it's intense, <laughs> intense stuff. And I love some yeah. of the lyrics as well, like on some of these songs. There are some lines that just really stick out. And the way he delivers them, um, like, it's like mess is all about basically someone who can't get their act together. Mm. And he's literally just like shouting and screaming. He's like, it stinks in my house. It stinks. <laughs> um, Ella Spectro, there's this bit where he kind of like screams, um, like no, no sacrifice again. Mm. And then he's like, it's almost like someone who's broken. They've been told they've got to sacrifice something. So like sings mm. it. And it's like, he comes to terms with it. And he just like, it's like the most primal scream. Like, no, no sacrifice again. Um, but it's a great like emotional moment, I think, in the song. Mm. Oh, his yeah, his very, vocals are just amazing. Ah, oh. it didn't resonate quite the, same, <laughs> quite the same way. And then lay screaming to me is like again a bit of like a post punk classic, just for the horrible lyrics. Um, go, go through the lyrics with me because I, I wasn't really paying attention to much of the actual lyrics. Lay screaming goes. The dead princess lay screaming, and her cunts ripped. Well, the dead princess lay silent, and her cunts ripped. Right. <laughs> um, she hasn't. There's not been much progress there for her. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically. I mean, I can I can read you the whole lyrics here. I've got the You're booklet reading it from a book. I've got the booklet for the greatest gifts. Just got all the lyrics. Um. Burn her, let's make her into a martyr because we split her breast. And she's disheartened, dismayed, disemboweled. Dead princess lay screaming and her cunt ripped. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of content that's running through <laughs> a lot of these songs. Yeah. It's all just deeply unpleasant. Uh, and, I, and I love that. I love that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is there like a theme to his lyrics? Are they all just, you know, these horrific, disturbing kind of you know, pictures? Yeah, I think usually, yeah, they're these kind of montages of unpleasant and, and, and you know, often like deeply violent um, imagery. Um, although I'd say then on the next album, he experiments a bit more. Um, so straight from the off actually so the next album they had a bit of a break and basically they said they progressed at a snail's pace in terms of songwriting right. um, so the next album wasn't until two years later 1986 Just Keep Eating um, mm. which kicks off with yeah a song where I think it's a different kind of lyrical approach uh, and that song is Crazy Dan. Let's hear a bit. So Crazy Dan, I think he kind of like adopts a bit more of a narrative style. 
Mm-hmm. And she tries to tell a story here um, about some crazy guy who Good. commits some violent acts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still in safe territory. This is the inspiration for Dreadful Dan. Yeah. This is his brother, <laughs> Crazy Dan. Um, I quite liked this one. Um, it was quite bluesy, I thought. That song. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and I was like, when I was listening to it, I was like, I wouldn't mind it being a bit more like this. Mm. Um, and there's a couple of tracks which kind of, you know, as in the same vein. But um, yeah, I enjoyed this track um, more than a lot of the others. Basically, I, I quite like the yeah the bluesiness of it. It's a bit more mid tempo as well, isn't it? It's not. It's not quite as in your face. I think that track. Mm. Um, generally, this album just keep eating. I think it's a bit different to the other ones because, um, yeah, as I said earlier, this one they recorded with a different guy, uh, Fred. Remert. Thirst. And they seem to basically yeah, like spread a bit more. They they try, I think, different types of song here. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a broader album. Um, like you said, yeah, there's a kind of like more of a bluesy vibe coming through. One song's got some harmonica as well, which is really nice. Yeah, I noticed that. That's a bit different. It reminded me of because um, we did King Gizzard recently. Yeah, about there was a lot of harmonica in that, um, and I was like, yeah, I don't haven't heard so much harmonica in all my life. Miss <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, Damned for all time. We get a cover. Do you know what that's from? No. Um, it's from Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never seen it or anything. Uh, no, likewise. But when, when you check yes. the lyric book, it's like um, Rice Lloyd Webber. Right, yeah. <laughs> God, how weird. Yeah, I've put, um, yeah, I've put Damned for All Time. I've just put a couple of words, meh, being one of them. <laughs> I like that one. I think that's good. Um, anything else? Anything that stood out on this one? Yeah, I liked um, Big Bone Lick. Again, this kind of felt like um, it's kind of felt like one of my old jams or something as well, um, and I quite enjoyed that element of it. Unlike a Baptist, I quite liked the darkness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what track are we going up to? What what would be? Because I'm going by the compilation twenty one, like like an idiot. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, the so holes, I quite liked the noise intro, um, and Untitled One was just pure noise, and I quite enjoyed that aspect of it. But um, apart from the intro to Holes, I basically hated the rest of it. <laughs> it sounded like a headache. It sounded like <laughs> someone put a headache into a song. Um, Albino Slug, uh, I liked. Um, what a different kiss. song, huh? Yeah, that's and so it was Albino more Slug as well. Yeah. Um, and I th- it sounds really big to me. Suddenly, it's like big, epic, mm. quite orchestrated track with with piano and strings. Yeah, and I like that about it. Yeah, definitely. It's something quite soothing about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so yes, bit of kiss. I found I quite liked the. There's lots of reverb in there. I thought it was a bit David Lynch as well, and there's an industrial almost element to it. Um, 
And the other one I liked was, well, that was kind of it. The rest, the rest I was like, meh. With some of it, like, what is it, cheese plug? I was quite, I was quite bored by that point. I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are kind of some of the ones anyway that I felt stood out. Um, what about you? What favourites have you got? Um, probably Albino Slug. This mm-hmm. isn't my so. This is my least favourite of their three records. Um, I think maybe because it's because it's got that breadth and they're you know trying stuff out for a for a, um, a long player as opposed to the other two which are just EPs. Mm. I think in a way it suffers because um, it kind of lacks maybe the intensity of the two EPs. Um, and they sound like they're having a little bit more fun and I don't like that. I don't want them to have fun. I want it to all be really dark and miserable and intense. Um, but I, I quite like the thing I like about that song Holes. Um, mm. The lyrics are not by David Yao. can't remember who wrote mm-hmm. them. Yeah, there's a few songs actually where some of the like songwriting credits aren't what you expect. So, uh, "Cannibal," for example, words and yeah. music by David Yao. Right. Um, occasionally, it's David Sims, the bassist, writing them. Sometimes it's the whole band. Sometimes mm. it's the guitarist, Brett Bradford. Um, but mostly the lyrics to David Yao. But sometimes someone else pops up. Um, so Greatest Gift was by their original singer, Steve Anderson. Right. Um, but anyway, the song that we're talking about, Holes, yeah. So the whole the, the words there are by the guitarist, Brett Bradford. Okay. And it just makes me laugh because he goes, I popped out of a hole and was. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah. It's quite deep in his own way. Yeah. Um, and those two untitled songs on this on the the cd mm. they're basically uncredited tracks that um end each side of the original vinyl right so they're kind of like little okay. secret secret instrumental jams i suppose were they probably had them lying around from the session thought let's just use them but there's some of the best music on the album oh come on wow it's doing them a disservice <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually mind it that much, just because I generally like noise, like experimental kind of noise and abstract noise stuff. Um, and this is quite dark. I probably liked, if I'm going to be honest, I probably liked Untitled One over Untitled Two. Yeah, <laughs> but I had to take take a pick. Um, I think they're good. Yeah. They're Go interesting. What, what, do you th- what do you think they're the best? I just think they're kind of like musically. They're more. They're a little bit more interesting. Um, than than some of the other songs, and they've got they've mm-hmm. got like their own vibe again with like Albino Slug. These instrumentals that they do, they seem they seem kind of sometimes more proficient than the other songs. Even, even though obviously like the main draw for me for this band is probably David Yao. Yeah, um, I felt like yeah, there's there's more depth to their songwriting than maybe they allowed themselves to explore. And those songs kind of show that potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, they didn't then pursue that with their next release. They um, so they got on quite quickly at this point. That, so they were having some problems at this point because yeah. their first two records were released by um, a little like Austin, I think, record label called uh, Rabid Cat, right. and. 
Um, they didn't have a contract with them because they had. They said like the terms of the contract were ridiculous. They they could choose to withhold royalties if they wanted to. Um, blah blah blah. But at this point, they were talking to a record label called Touch and Go in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd said, yeah, no, that's a terrible contract. Like, here's an example of our uh, standard contract that we use for bands. And apparently they took it to Rabbit Cat and they said, no, it's ridiculous. Um, you'll, you know, you'll never get a deal like that. You guys think you're the butthole surfers and you haven't paid your dues. Right. Um, so <laughs> at that point, they just turned around and said, uh, touch and go, do, do you want to do it? And they're like, yeah. So <laughs> the, um, that opened up a little bit of potential because by being signed to touch and go, um, they were able to then get like a UK deal as well. Right. So 1987, yeah, their final uh, EP, Berserker, was released in, yeah, in the US on Touch and Go. And in the UK, uh, all their stuff came out on the Fundamental uh, label. Another right. record label that they say never paid them a damn cent. So, <laughs> so they never had any money, they reckon, from Rapid Cat or, uh, or Fundamental. Awful. Yeah. Awful is true. Um, but that saw, them, that saw them kind of like coming to Europe as well and playing. Um, mm-hmm. doing some shows but anyway Berserker like I said they went back to working with Kerry Crafton here mm-hmm. um, and I think they kind of yeah return a bit more to focusing on the, the sound of the first EP although this is like noticeably I think like sonically uh, there's a there's a shift um, it's a lot clearer yeah um, maybe a little more professional sounding. Uh, personally, I don't think it, it's got, you know, um, I don't think the songs are as good as the first EP. No. Um, but it's still got a few really killer moments. Mm-hmm. Sam, what did oh. you think of it? So yeah, this is tracks I... 22 to 27. Mm. So uh, overall, these tracks... I thought were the worst of the lot. So yeah, I kind of agree that I don't think it's as um, it's engaging <laughs> basically as the rest of the stuff. Um, Mary had a little drug problem. I enjoyed uh-huh. I had some good riffs. Um, and for crying out loud, uh, I quite liked as well. Um, and that was a bit more desperate. Um, and I quite liked some of the, you know, kind of primal screams and all this stuff, but um, yeah, the rest, I like morons, moron, found quite boring. I found some of it quite lazy. Skin drips I found quite lazy. Um, flying houses I thought was um, okay. It's weird having that stop and yeah. then coming back in. And I was yeah. like, I, yeah, it's interesting, but I feel like you're not doing anything with it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. It didn't really... Didn't land for you. No, I was just like, oh, it stopped. And now it started again. Not like oh, it's like building up a pressure. I don't know, like, it's not, it didn't feel like it was building up or like it was like delaying anything. It was just like as if someone just stopped the record and then pressed play again. And I was like, okay, well, unless you're trying to get all like meta about it, I was like, it's like a songwriting tool. I was like, it's a bit, it's just doing it for the sake of doing it, isn't it then? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And also by this point, I was getting um, 
was getting a bit sick of the drumming, like just the constant like drum rolls and like it feels like everything's on the snare almost. And it's just you know, then we do it's you know, I didn't mind it kind of before, but when it's like, okay, drum roll here, drum drum roll here, and I'm gonna do this and then whatever and doing all this. I'm just like, just fucking play, just play some music. Like, what are you doing? Um so yeah, I was kind of I think having kind of like, let's say, the the worst of it at the back end of this record, it was kind of testing my patience <laughs> by the time I was getting to the last track. Um, That's a shame. That's a shame. It's, <laughs> but yeah, what did you think? It's worth listening to these as standalones. That's that's always the problem with uh, compilations like this, that just cram a whole discography onto one thing. Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, though, I mean, it, isn't my, it is not my favourite. Um I do love Morons Moron, though. That would Maybe. be one of my favourites of theirs. It was actually my uh, my email address back sometime around the turn of the new millennium. Password, David Yao. <laughs> um, it's just so... It's like nightmare fuel, this song. If you sit and listen to the lyrics and everything, it's vile. And the whole... like It's slow and weird... And it really does feel like crawling on your belly through some like dank, dark slime. And mm. I mean, the lyrics don't really make any sense, but you know, it's just the images you're being presented with are really disgusting. Um, again, let me turn to my lyric book. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, so he, he seems to have a problem with somebody and he's labeling them a moron's moron. Right. But it's just weird. Like he's saying like, you wade through water, you hurl stones, heaving heavy rocks all the time. You start fires, burn up everything you can find. You're one cranky bastard and I hate your guts. Fucking babies in their butts. Who do you get to tie your shoes for you anyway? You cut holes in your flesh, fill the holes with venom, drag your bitches around after cramming fucking them. Well, um, I love that bit where he's going, 
cramming fucking um because um, there's that obvious uh, sonic play on the on, on the words there uh, and then he starts going on about like you hang a gloomy trio from gallows you cut holes in your flesh again fill the holes with venom drag your bitches mm-hmm. around um and then it sends with saying you'll find your shoes on the patio with the sour milk <laughs> it just sounds like maybe he's had like an argument with his flatmate or something and he's just like written this really angry song about it <laughs> really weird abstract imagery and it's just like yeah you'll, you'll find your shoes on the uh on the porch mate make your own way out it's our way of telling you you're, uh, you're out apparently the way they got rid of this the lead singer steve anderson was um they, they just played a gig like their first gig and um as in, as just like instrumentals while he was like he'd come to the show because I think it was like Butthole Surface or something they're the support band right so he's just like oh they've gone on stage and played without me <laughs> without a singer <laughs> that's horrible yeah what a horrible way of doing it <laughs> there's people such dicks sometimes like, uh, they don't have the fucking balls to like <laughs> stand up and just Tell someone they're fucking out. Uh, dear. Bastards. Oh, well. uh, I like it. I love it. Um, hmm. So 1987, after the release of that, they did quite a lot of touring, more touring, I think, than they'd done before, uh, taking them to Europe. And I don't really know what happens. I mean, there's the liner notes to this CD, are basically probably the most information that's out there. Right. Um, and they're written by a guy called Mike Hunt. Which sounds to me <laughs> like an obvious pseudonym for one of the band members. I'd assume David Sims, because right. he's quite into like being a kind of like spokesperson and archivist for his music. Okay. Um, yeah, but he just said, um, like, spending too much time in each other's company, personal and musical tensions escalated, and everybody ceased having fun. Uh, Scratch Acid played its last show on the 5th of May, 1987, at the Cave Club in Austin. So that was it for the band, 1987. And then it wasn't until, yeah, 1991, Mm. uh, Touch & Go released this CD, The Greatest Gift. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a bonus track. And quite humorously, the back of the CD states, all songs previously unreleased except 1 to 27. <laughs> <laughs> um, so track 28 is the scale song, mm. um, which is actually, yeah, if you go online, you can find this leaked demo that they recorded, which is um, Cannibal, but with completely different lyrics and obviously being sung by Steve Anderson. Yeah, uh, I think there's two versions of uh, Lay Screaming uh, and this one, the scale song. But what they've done is they've stripped his vocals off of this for the uh, for the released version. Right. Thank God. Because um, I really like this song, the scale song. It's just, yeah, instrumental. Um, but I, I don't know how to find like a really catchy, kind of hooky little jam. Yeah, I'm trying to... I don't remember... Um, I don't remember I've, I've written it down, but I haven't put anything underneath it. <laughs> that's all right it's, it's, it's pretty it's, innocuous it's really. a pretty i was gonna say it's like it's just kind of a lot more experimental noisy 
right? It doesn't, mm. it's not much, it's, not, it's kind of more of a abstract. Um, it's just a groovy little landscape. Yeah. So, so say it again. So they've taken someone's, they've taken the vocals off. Yeah. So this is from their first demo from back in late 1982. Right. Which, yeah, it was comprised of Cannibal, two versions of Lay Screaming and Scale yeah. Song. Right. All of all of which with Steve Anderson singing. Right. So I guess they were like looking to kind of like put everything out, uh, band's whole catalogue. So maybe they were like, well, we've got this song that we never released. Um, but that. can you can you take his vocals off? <laughs> we'll just put it out as an instrumental. We don't want to give him any any money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But so that's that's it, the scale song. So but they only have to put this out on CD. Um, so the time is right now. Please touch and go. Everyone wants vinyl. Um, you know, <laughs> said no one. <laughs> so <laughs> this should be reissued, man. Because their original albums are really hard to get hold of, like I said. Like, mm. They're usually quite a lot of money. So the greatest gift. Come on. We want it. Um, greatest probably- gift from touch and go would be greatest gift for you on vinyl oh yeah except i think the window of opportunity was kind of like closed because um they could have done it during the reunion but they chose not to um so yeah they did they did reunite a long time afterwards obviously just in 1987 after scratch acid broke up um Mm. two of them uh David Sims and Ray Washam, so the bassist and the drummer, mm. joined forces with Steve Albini, who just wrapped up Big Black. Mm-hmm. And they formed Rape Man. Okay. Um, what a superhero. The super group. Noise rock supergroup. Not one of my favourites, to be honest. I've always preferred all the other related bands, Shellac and Big Black and Jesus Lizard. He's my worst Avenger. (laughs) Is he in that program that you've been watching? Naughty Boys. Boys, Yeah, actually, to be honest, yeah. There's a couple I think would make that. (laughs) Be able to fill that space, yeah. Um, So, but Rape Man didn't last very long. And in 1989... (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, um, 1989, The Jesus Lizard performed. um, Yeah. Comprised of David Sims, David Yao, um, and Dwayne Dennison, mm-hmm. and I think so. I think people, you know, people see Scratch Acid as like a stepping stone to the Jesus Lizard. You know, like they're like uh, a footnote in the career of the Jesus Lizard, basically. Mm. But I, you know, I I very much consider them like their own separate entity, their own thing, um, and quite different in many ways. Like I said, there's kind of more of that. More More of that. It feels like. Definitely. Yeah. And there's more of that diversity of, uh, I think, styles, moods. Mm -hmm. um, But just that like pervasive, kind of oppressive, dark, dank, nasty vibe. Everything feels like you're kind of like listening to it through brackish water. Yeah. I I can totally. (laughs) <laughs> share that. <laughs> hear that. Well, um, in September mm. of 2006, 
they reformed mm-hmm. to do basically to do three shows in support of Touch and Go's 25th anniversary celebrations. Right. So they just did three shows, one in Austin, one in Chicago, one in Seattle. Um, and then randomly, I don't know why, but five years after that, they got together and they did a proper tour. Mm-hmm. And so this is like November, December 2011. And they played about 14 shows in the USA and Canada. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the following spring, in March of 2012, they came over to the UK to play uh, the Autumn Parties Festival. Right. And they tacked on one gig. So on the 12th of March, 2012, mm. they played their final ever gig, and it was at the Garage in London. I'm proud to say I was there. Oh, wow. And it was fantastic. They played yeah. all the songs that I wanted them to play. Um, and David Yao kicked me in the eye. What? <laughs> Did he recognize you? <laughs> I don't think it was intentional. If you, you know what he's like as a performer. Have oh. you seen him doing his, Island. No. his, his thing? No. You never seen any, you never seen him. Oh my God. You, you've got to see what he, he's just the most like vile looking person. Right. And everything about his like onstage act and demeanor, it just comes across as like, you know, the thing about it doesn't come across as, it doesn't come across as an act. He seems like a genuinely horrible, deranged person. Um, but he flings himself around in the crowd all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm going um, to have a look at him whilst you're... Uh... Oh yeah, God, I keep forgetting. He's just like, he just looks like a normal bloke. <laughs> it's totally like um <laughs> just some some guy like he works and he's a builder in his spare time that's it you can imagine it's like texas chainsaw massacre he just looks like a steel worker or an abattoir worker or something he's gone completely deranged yeah i remember now i have seen him uh, yeah we had exactly the same conversation <laughs> yeah sorry um, um so i'm gonna Take a look at this as well. Uh, put this in my see some of the um, see some of his performances. Oh, yeah, that's some great stuff on YouTube now. Great stuff. Um, yeah, so that was their last ever gig, and they haven't played again since then. So that's pretty lucky, really. They got they they came over and played that that show. Yeah, um, yeah I bet you were well chuffed. Oh, so pleased, so pleased, and yeah, and it was the, it was the all four guys, like I said, they did everything. I hope they play. Yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And that is that is it. That is the end. I think. I think I can't see them reforming and doing any more of those. But that was the window of opportunity for Touch and Go to put some uh, put some vinyl out there, and they did not choose to do it. Bad idiots. Idiots. Um, oh well, never mind. So, and who is like? Um, uh, who would you say like today sounds like scratch acid or maybe like has that influence clear on their sleeve? Christ. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know these days. I mean, I suppose you can chart a line kind of through the kind of noise rock sound, you know, like Chicago 
music scene and um, uh, Minneapolis music scene, like the Amphetamine yeah. Reptile bands, you know, like Helmet and uh, uh, I know, who else? Killdozer. Mm-hmm. Unsane. Unsane is still going. But, um, but they lean a bit more heavily on the kind of like post-hardcore punk sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it feels like those kind of bands, you know, they're active in the, they're more than like in the, the early 90s. Mm. It does feel to me like there's like a newer wave of bands that were in, either in in those bands and are now like old, <laughs> like really yeah. old, or bands that they've influenced that are pushing this kind of like newer wave of, noise rock Um, but they're introducing more sounds um, so it's kind of like more eclectic and a bit more weird and experimental yeah Um, so I mean I'm thinking about this guy that I've been listening to Harry Cloud Mm. Um, who else Hepatitis you know that other band that I really like yeah Um, but I don't know I mean there really isn't I mean, if, if you like if you like Scratch Acid, uh, probably the best. Well, the obvious band to listen to is the Jesus Lizard, yeah. but obviously also the Birthday Party. Right. Um, people often say like Scratch Acid was kind of like an American Birthday Party. Right. Um, yeah, if you like that unhinged fury. <laughs> One band um, was which I started listening to through Idols. Basically, was um, Heavy Lungs. And it kind of reminds me a bit of huh. a bit of them. Um, I don't know them. The, well, the singer is a guy called Danny Nadelko. And the reason why I know his name is that it's, that's an idol song. <laughs> um, and it's about like, um, it's like an anti-Brexit kind of song. It's about, you know, pro-immigration and all this. Um, because, yeah, the, uh, Danny Nadelko, the singer of Heavy Lungs, I don't know about the rest of the band, but yeah, he's from, uh, I want to say Lithuania, but... Um, think uh i might have that completely wrong but he's not from england basically so um yeah uh and i don't know it kind of sounded similar because he's got that same it's like a manicness to it it also sounds a little bit it's not quite david Jow, but um i don't know i think there's a bit of a influence there at least that's funny um, i'm just looking at them and they're from bristol and i was just thinking another band that sound kind of similar to what you've just described is lice Right, don't know lies. And their lead singer's a bit like that. It's not quite that extreme. He was a little bit Marky Smith-like and a little bit David Yao-like in this kind of like tirade (laughs) that he delivered. But they looked really normal. Um, But I saw them playing in a pub and I was meant to see them again. That was a few years ago. I was meant to see them just when lockdown began. Mm. And we were like, surely it's not going to be cancelled. And some of my friends were like, well, you might want to check. It's probably going to get cancelled. And I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. That doesn't happen. So, yeah, got cancelled. I'm not surprised. Unbelievable. Yeah, check out, check out Heavy Lungs. I think you'd like it anyway. Um, it's definitely more up your street uh, than, than mine may be. Because I think it's all right, some of it, but I'm just like, yeah, I'd rather listen to something else. But, um, yeah, you might like Heavy Lungs. Um, cool. You look like upstanding it, young right? gentleman. Yeah, well, they are. <laughs> Should we do, um, what about Nerd Corner? Let's go there. Not much in Nerd Corner, because uh, 
Basically, they didn't release that, that much. But you nicked it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, taking all my nerds. Do you remember the sweet nerds? Remember those? They still do them. Well, he won't make some, didn't he? Sherbet, that sherbet stuff. Yeah, pretty, pretty tangy, kind of sour. Yeah, I hope they what's, do. What, what's what's in a what's a scratch acid nerd look like? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably looks about fifty-five years old. Yeah, probably like really skinny from having done too much meth in the yeah. late eighties. Um, bald and probably like single. You. Yeah. <laughs> probably it's um, probably the guy who sold me those records yeah um, it would be wouldn't it Nerd Corner so yeah I mean, there aren't like all these exciting alternative editions of their stuff because it got released at the time and it's never been reissued um, mm-hmm. their, their album though Just Keep Eating there's a standard version has got a little picture of a baby on the front right um, but there's like the special one, which I think was only in the UK. can't remember. And it's just got this like mirrored effect on the front. Right. So basically you see like a weird distorted picture of your ugly face. Okay. One thing we didn't yourself. talk about is uh, the artwork. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any of the artwork. Uh, have a quick look now. Because, what, um, um, what should I Google for? Scratch acid artwork. <laughs> yeah, Scratch acids, um, 1984. Because again, like, okay. you know, I was saying like that, that album that they did, you know, with a different producer and it's got this like more broader experimental sound. It's also got like very different artwork. Whereas the yeah. EPs, um, a very cohesive look because they worked with this artist. Um, what's his name? I've forgotten. It is quite cool. I'm just looking at it. It's quite... Um, Mark Todd. His name was. Horrible, some of them. And yeah, Berserker looks really abstract. Yeah, they're these um, kind of like elongated black and white figures. Mm, human yeah, figures. I like that. Whereas the album's just got this like comical picture of a baby. Right. But I think that imagery, yeah, to me, it really contributes to the, the sound. It really reflects it. And again, they got him to do the artwork for the, um, the Greatest Gift CD. Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure as well, it must have been him that did the first Jesus Lizard album because they look really similar. He's horrible. Like the Greatest Gift's got this like sort of, might be a female figure holding her vulva. Mm. Uh, yeah. Just something a little bit distasteful about the whole thing, and a little bit mm. unnerving. Mm. Well, you can't go wrong with that, can you? The um, only real rarity, you know, like I said, this CD dusts up pretty much everything except for this demo that leaked. So, you know, if you're really into the band and you want to hear what they sounded like, um, before David Yao started singing, um, give that a listen. They sound really, <laughs> just really generic. I think this yeah. guy doing his like punk singing. Duh, 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 duh. Right. 
I, I just from that, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> that, that's a classic, like when you go see a punk band that's been around for like a million years. So that's the, that's the kind of thing I'm thinking, thinking of. Like who's just coming pubs yeah. around the outskirts of London. Just kind of yelling in a snotty voice along to the exact like rhythm and melody of the guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair Re- enough. Cool. Reviews? Yeah, reviews. Well, I, um, oh, it's your turn, isn't it? Do a voice. Well, I'll give my, um, because what did I do last? Oh, I did Steven Spielberg, didn't I? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, um, for my final review, um, generally speaking, I found this a tough listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can see why you like it, uh, specifically you as well. Um, but there are some, there's some bits in there which I find quite interesting. And I think if I'm looking for something that's a bit more experimental, um, and that's a bit different. And I think it's something that inspires me to kind of watch more of the live stuff, actually, when I think about it. Cause some, when I was listening to it, I was like, I like this stuff would work quite well. Um, live, that kind of mania and frenzy, um, I imagine, uh, is quite, um, you know, resonates really well with the, with the live audience. Uh, but sitting down listening to a record, um, it was a bit tough. I would, uh, it's not that I hate it or anything like that. I just do find it quite a tough listen and I just ain't got time for that in my life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a couple of tracks which, I, which I, you know, would, um, probably return to or just keep, uh, keep at hand to like listen to, um, but I can get it. I understand it. Um, I don't think it's particularly for me, but uh, yeah, I can see why you and many others do like it. And maybe it's a case of it will grow on me after a while because it's not just so easily accessible at uh, first listen. Um, so yeah, like with all these things, I never write it off immediately. And some of my favorite bands are ones that I started off not liking in the first place. So um, yeah, who knows? It's like an aggressive mold. Hmm. You mean like a body will, thing or like it will like grow an animal? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining an animal, moldy animal standing outside my house. Like an aggressive mole. <laughs> Mold. Like, oh, right. It's a mole. Chill out. Um, okay, Dan. Um, you. Okay, let's do your final review and let's keep it simple. Impression. Final See if impression. You could, final impression, sorry. Um, and let's see if you can do it in the style of David Yao. You don't have to do it at a volume, but can you do it in that same frenzied, manic voice that he's so great at doing? And this sounds exactly like you're singing on Pelican Daughters, I reckon, as well. Um, That's probably a um, purposeful move, I imagine, when you're um, doing it. But I was listening going like, ah, oh, this is kind of like um, you're singing on Pelican Daughters. Would I be, <laughs> would I be correct in assuming yeah. that? I think David Yao, yeah, was a heavy influence. Yeah, on me. Well, then this would be really fucking easy for you, then, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except I'm up in my um, parents' spare room, <laughs> ten fifteen at night. Yeah, true. Okay. Well, give it. You know, you don't have to go crazy. You cranky bastard! This is the best post-punk rock you'll hear. Uh, is that it? So, 
What did you have for breakfast this morning, David Yao? Slime. <laughs> I don't even know who that sounds. <laughs> Does it sound like him? Slime. Yeah, the best vocal that David Yao ever did was, uh, was a song called Pop Song by the Jesus Lizard, which isn't on any of their albums. He makes the most horrible sound <laughs> I've ever heard in the middle of this song. I, I, it's just like, it's so weird. He just kind of goes, <laughs> for about 45 seconds. It's just like, God. why would you even do that? It, it, it works because it's just so it's like, impression on you. shocking and unexpected and just vile. Mm. It's lovely. Right? <sighs> Well, actually, go to actual reviews. Have you got reviews for this? Yeah, I've got a few. Let's do it. I hate it. It's quite hard to find reviews. Uh, I thought there might be some contemporary reviews that have made their way online, but there isn't. There's not much online about this band at all. Um, I went on Amazon and I looked up The Greatest Gift. Uh, so I've got a few here. Mm. So, uh, JF14112 uh, gave it five stars. Mm. If you like Scratch Acid, this album is for you. <laughs> Precise, yes. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, Brandon S. Whitehead gave a five-star review. Wow. Scratch Acid is one of those bands that really don't fit into any real style of music. Mm. The songs here are violent, noisy, and quite wild, and the bizarre screams and yowls of Divid Yow are so crazy and absurdly performed that it's very hard to understand them unless on certain mind-expanding substances. Substances the band was very into. Um... I, I, I hate it when people say that. I'm I'm not on certain mind-expanding substances. Yeah, just because something's a little bit out there it doesn't mean that everyone was on drugs and that everyone listens to it on drugs. Yeah, um, probably helps. Although... This, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go on. It's not an endorsement. Apparently, uh, there is a, a rumor which could be just made up by the band, but that they used to distribute um, hits of acid at their gigs. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, musically, the only thing to compare this to is Yao's later band, the, um, the more popular Jesus Lizard, yet somehow that band never captured the nightmarish, surreal insanity that Scratch Acid does. Mm. The music here is also much tighter and organised. The drum and bass really play perfectly together and create original intros for great songs like She Said and Amicus. Everyone in this band played so amazing well with one another. It's sad we don't have more music from this band. It is mm. sad. It's sad very big. <laughs> Brandon do big sad. <laughs> In short, many bands try to sound disturbing and violent, 
but very few succeed. Scratch Acid is one of the bands that did. Mm. If that's what you're into, this band will not disappoint. I think that's quite accurate. Yeah, I think it's accurate as well. Fair enough. I've got one star. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Michael S. Marley. Now, Michael S. Marley, he he seems to consider himself... (laughs) He could could be. could be. He seems to consider himself some kind of like Chicago music scene insider. Right. Because he addresses this directly to Corey Rusk, the uh, head of Touch and Go Records. Right. (laughs) One star. Right. The... uh, the subject of his review is and has dead spots and sounds like crap halfway through. Mm. Thanks, Corey. Kidding. I'm now on my fourth copy of this CD. It's not the band's fault. It's yours. The labels. Touch and go. Mm. You knew about the manufacturing defect from the get-go. I called you. But yet you did nothing. (laughs) you knew you knew (laughs) I'm sick of buying these hoping for that magical copy that doesn't have the defects and cuts out halfway during the recording well guess again everyone I've had my hands on cuts out and has dead spots and sounds like crap halfway through WTF don't believe me read the reviews and give me your address again and I'll mail you one of the damn things (laughs) One can only enjoy the first half, if that. Thanks, dumbass. Otherwise, a great band. Sad a half-ass <laughs> label handled its release. Even Curtis from Tang wouldn't have messed this one up. Curtis. That Curtis. And this is on Amazon. So he's bought it through Amazon, thinking that someone from Touch and Go is reading the Amazon reviews. I guess so. <laughs> Although he does say, uh, I called you. He did call him. Hello, Amazon customer care. (laughs) I want to speak to Corey. (laughs) Um, Sorry, sir. Uh, Yeah, well, I don't get it um, because no one else is saying anything about there being any problems, and you know, there's no issues with my CD. Conspiracy. I mean, he reckons he's bought four copies of the CD. (laughs) (laughs) Don't work. Why wouldn't you just return them? This is uh, Amazon. Just send them back in and get another one if that's what you want to do. Uh, what are the chances? Four, four copies. Because there's probably Amazon only has one. They just keep sending him the same one. <laughs> keep sending it back. <laughs> it's probably got a better CD player. Yeah. Well, weird, strange review. Bloody hell. Um, well, that was uh, that was interesting. Dan, <laughs> any kind of like, any final scratch acid thoughts? I just wish um, there was some good live stuff. You know, like you said, mm. you'd probably enjoy uh, the live experience. But I don't think any of their like shows from their original run were prof- professionally recorded. I've got some bootlegs and they're really rough. Um, right. Obviously from the reunion, there's stuff out there. Um, but most of that seems to be like shot from the audience. Um, right. And, you know, it's not the same, obviously, seeing these frankly old dudes although you know they're still bloody brilliant and david yao always still puts on a show in a way he's more terrifying as a as an old older man 
because no. he really seems like, you know, a grizzled old guy that would just like be in a bar. Give a that, fuck anymore? Yeah, yeah like be, beat you with a cue pool just for looking at him wrong. Yeah, and we've seen a few of those, <laughs> haven't we? Yeah. What was um, it that guy said to you? I can't remember. You in the in the beehive, was in East London, yeah, beehive one. Sam got in trouble um, because uh, we didn't sound enough like the Who <laughs> for his liking. <laughs> Play some fucking like, Who. <laughs> yeah, he was basically complaining because he couldn't hear what I was singing, as in he couldn't hear the lyrics. Bear in mind, I've only really got lyrics about half the songs <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and that half I don't remember in the first place. Um, but yeah, he was getting, he said something like, he was basically like going to knife me is what it was kind of ending up as. Yeah. He was doing it in a roundabout way saying he sent, he basically, I was in the toilet having a piss and he came in um, and it started getting a bit uh, like testy and I was able to just kind of like brush it off and walk out. He's basically saying he's got someone out there ready to kill someone um, for someone who disrespected him or something like that. And he was basically insinuating that that person was me. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah. How did you disrespect him? By just playing the gig? I don't know. It was, he was like just so up for a fight. Yeah. It actually ended up fine. Um, but if you remember, there was that point where I was just like, I need to get, I need to get out of here like now. Because <laughs> this is getting a, this is getting a, I don't want any more. F- alcohol and time to fuel this fire that's kind of going on um yeah so it's all, it was all fine but yeah i think that was the that was the moment i think i told you afterwards where i was just like fuck this <laughs> like fuck these fucking these fucking gigs in like places like here um yeah and usually it's kind of like fine but yeah we were next to like a proper like you know scummy pub um, that was listening and watching the football and all this stuff. And we were just in a side room with about like 10 people um, yeah. there to actually watch the music. Yeah, it's uh, all right, but you should play a bit more like the Who. Yeah, exactly, all that part. Just listen to, some, uh, listen to some Led Zeppelin. Play, make, sing, the, sing the words a bit more better so yeah. as I can hear them. Yeah, all that stuff. And you remember, like, I kept getting, I mean, this always happens to me anyway, I kept getting proper electric shocks as well. Yeah. In my, my mouth, my lip just kept exploding. Um, just getting shocked. And it was like, you can die from it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Just, you know, let's just play it. Let's just do it. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Nothing. Um, and people say, uh, you know, punk stairs and everything. Stop just watching the highlights of Glastonbury on TV. And you come down to rough old pubs like that and you'll see front men Bleeding on stage yeah. for their yeah, for their craft. Well, don't go to that pub. Fuck. <laughs> Can't. I'll never recommend that pub for anything. Um. Ah, oh, so horrible. As soon as I walked in, someone tried to sell me t- tickets to Chelsea that weekend. I was like, what? Literally, I just walked in. I only opened the door. Um. And I was like, there we go. Um. Anyway. Uh. So let's get on to what we're doing next week, Dan. Um, okay. It was music this week, so we're going to be doing a game next week's episode. So let's oh, go yeah. to the random generator and see what we're going to get. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Never ready. Oh, my God. It's, it's music-related, and I'm actually quite looking forward to this. 
Hang on, music related game, music related yeah. computer game. Oh my god, yeah, Dan, is it's it, going to blow your mind. <laughs> is it Mario Music? No, and it's not Rock Band or anything like that. It is Res. Have you heard of Res? No. Oh mate, oh it's lovely. It was um, for people who don't know. It's first released on PS2. Got a recent release on PS4 in a VR form as well, which is pretty cool. And essentially, you are traveling through this weird, like, computer universe. Um, and you are attacking things flying around you, but it's all done to uh, music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. It's really good. It's one of my favorites. And it is a little odd. Um, just because it's it's an oddity in the sense that uh, as a game, as a play style, and just of its time, this is when like you would get these like weird little gems from Japan that kind of came and went. Um, and the guy who designed this, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, uh, yeah, like he went on to do some other stuff. Child of Eden was one which I actually really liked as well. Um, but yeah, this was a lot of people talk about this game um, as being like a, an inspiration and something that, you know, when it's like games as art and all that stuff, that argument, you know, um, yeah. this sometimes, especially back then, this got brought up a lot in terms of that. Um, so it's a good one. And it's, a, you know, I think it's worth, it's a relatively short game as well. Um, so you, it's, it's quite easy to kind of sit through a walkthrough if you want to do it that way. I've got it, so I'm, I'll bust it out and give it another play. Um, and yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's that's a good choice for next week and yeah it's a bit music related so who knows hope you like edm um yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, it is like electronic but uh the actual music itself i think is actually pretty good maybe i'll give that a listen Mm. as my as my prep yeah do it um cool so that's it guys um thanks for listening i guess we'll see you next week bye everyone Thanks for joining us on the podcast, guys. We're part of a new winter group, so head on over to newwinter.com to check out our other shows. Go to patreon.com slash newwinter to support the network. You can email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com and follow this and our other shows on Twitter and Instagram at a new winter. So, see you next time on The Oddcast. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.